from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, here we go on a Thursday, Silver 7's, you know it. It's our spot. This will be our last uh, show that we start up at 3 o'clock from here forward. 2 o'clock starts as we get NFL's Thursday Night Football going down. Next week, but uh, we've got a lot of football going on tonight. Most importantly, here in town, UNLV football getting a chance to uh, open this season at Allegiant Stadium in front of fans, not hundreds of fans, but uh, thousands of fans, which is very cool. Eastern Washington is the opponent. we got college football spots coming up. We'll talk to Brad Powers in hour two of the show. We talk to him every Thursday at 445. And Michael Felder, who's a Good guy to lean on as well. Great college football knowledge. He's up in about 15 minutes. Adam Candy is alongside. What's up, Adam? Cofield. It's UNLV football time. Let's get this going. It's all football time. That's the thing. I'm, I'm excited about the local deal, and I'll be out there walking up and down the sidelines, and coverage begins right here at 6 o'clock with our uh, ESPN Las Vegas pregame show. Then we got the Learfield pregame show with uh, Russ and Caleb. Good to hear Russ back on the air. But uh, big college football night. Ohio State-Minnesota is a boffo game, so let's get to it. It's Trending at 3, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Well, before we do any of that, though, um, is everything okay back in uh, your neck of the woods in New York with your family, with the storm going through there? You know, we talked a lot about New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Go there every year, so it's uh, one of my favorite cities in the country. But uh, actually, for both of us, the Northeast got freaking slammed by a tropical storm, Ida. And as you know, there's a lot of rivers and streams in the New Jersey, New York area, a lot of low-lying areas. And, man, when it rains, it freaking floods badly. And that's kind of more the area where I'm from, where my family's from, just a little bit north of New York City. But uh, thankfully, all reports are good. Um, But I go back to Superstorm Sandy, and, I mean, the – the house that my family, uh, you know, spent summers in uh, when when they were growing up got completely wiped out. Uh, so you know, it's it's been a really rough time here over these last couple of major storms. Uh, we actually have a cancellation in college football. Uh, my school Rutgers was going to open tonight, uh, expecting a big crowd, maybe sold out crowd against Temple, but can't play with these conditions. So they actually moved the game from uh, this evening. The game was supposed to start six thirty our time, so they moved it to Saturday. And Temple uh, was the opponent in that one in Philadelphia. I have a brother who lives in Philadelphia, uh, another area where there's tons of rivers and streams and the Schuylkill, and, man, there's just water everywhere. There's water running, you know, up and down, like, the 76, if you know Philadelphia, Vine Street Expressway is, like, filled basically like like a river. So we hope everyone's safe. And, uh, yeah, we've seen cancellations all the way from, you know, Louisiana now up into the Northeast when it comes to sports, uh, college football, and the NFL. All right, so let's get the vibe for UNLV tonight. Uh, first of all, very interesting. And, Candy, you know, you and I were trading messages on what the, the number was, is for this game. Uh, Eastern Washington is a really good FCS team, had a good spring football season. Yeah, they played in the spring. They went 5-2 and two and made their playoffs at their level. And, you know, there was speculation that UNLV was going to be a pretty sizable favorite. And I know on this show we talked about it. We're like, I, I don't know about that. Uh, I think UNLV has a chance to have a decent season. These quarterbacks, uh, all four of them have upside. But there's a lot of questions. And the defense has to get better. I think it will get better. But – you're going to get a good test tonight. And some of the numbers, explain to us, because I know uh, I think a couple of people locally looked at Vegas Insider, and they'll put up an opening number. But when I saw that opening number two days ago, I was like, that seems insane to me. 
Uh, and as it turns out, the number was posted at UNLV minus three. Overnight has actually flipped to make Eastern Washington a small favorite. And that Vegas Insider number, by the way, Steve, you said posted Tuesday. That was still hanging this morning, uh, and it was posted with multiple sports books at either 10 or 11, uh, and that seemed out of line, of course. And so there you go, with Eastern Washington being a small favorite. I mean, Steve, just think about where we've come here in the last few years when UNLV was a 45-point favorite against Howard, the infamous game. Uh, they also lost at home to Northern Arizona back out at Sam Boyd. So, I mean, there's a history here with FCS, but the fact that UNLV has actually flipped to a dog against the same level of competition that they were such enormous favorites against just a few years ago is uh, just kind of another sign of the times. Uh, I mean, let's put it into perspective, right? Honestly, that line was ridiculous at the time. Um, probably should have been somewhere like 14 to 17. They wound up getting upset. Uh, and reality is, if you're a bottom 25 team, based on your recent history, right, and coming into the season, I think you know most folks are looking at UNLV as a team that's going to fight to get two, three, four wins with an over-under of one and a half. If you're a bottom 20 team in FBS, then when a top 15 team faces you in the FCS, the number's going to be pretty close. Should be. Yeah, I mean, look, even if you want to say that uh, that, that Howard should have been a 14, 17 point uh, uh, dog in that game, it's still remarkable to be where we are today with right. Eastern Washington. And let me tell you, as a as a Big Sky grad, uh, Eastern Washington, I can tell you, is a legitimate program. Uh, it's a program that's been ranked number one in FCS before. They come in with a senior quarterback who will be a candidate for the Walter Payton Award, basically the one, uh, I was about to say one double A, I'm old, uh, the FCS Heisman. Raiders news today. Uh, Mike Mayock spoke at length yesterday about what he expects from the defense and um, wasn't, I'm not going to say not super confident, but he's like, yeah, we got to see. I, I love his honesty. Um, Want to see them do a much better job in terms of talent evaluation in, in the drafts, and hopefully this year's class is going to produce some real gems who can help out the defense, but uh, they talked about some roster additions, and lo and behold, they've been kicking the tires on K.J. Wright, the former Seahawk, and uh, now he's a Raider. It's crazy to me, Steve, that we are as close as we are to the regular season, and here we are with the Raiders making their most impactful acquisition of the entire offseason. Uh, K.J. Wright's a guy who immediately comes in with a pro football focus grade that's a solid 10 points from last year beyond anybody else who is in that linebacking core, and all of a sudden, you know, we talked about Denzel Perriman and that being interesting because he knows the scheme from Gus Bradley, but this is a different story. K.J. Wright is a guy who, even in his early 30s, is still playing at a solid contributor level, and, you know, that's why I don't worry as much about him not having a camp or anything like that because he knows the system and he can bring himself in. Quickly. Uh, no shocker yesterday that Mike Mayock, when talking about this season, wants him to make the playoffs. I mean, I don't think that's unrealistic. I think that has to be the goal when you're in year four as a ruling group. Well, he's in year three, but uh, with Gruden there in year four, it's it's time to turn the corner. Oh, I mean, there's no question about it, Steve. I mean, we and we've talked about that here and the fact that any other coach who put up a 19-29 through his first three seasons would be in significantly more trouble than John Gruden is with Mark Davis. But, I mean, look, Mayock comes out and says the right things. And I don't envy the position that Mike Mayock is in because we all know in the end that Mike Mayock is a guy who has input, but he's Robin to Batman, and he doesn't really get to have final say on anything. So, 
you know, if things go well, the credit will probably go to Gruden. If things go poorly, Mayock is probably the first one who's going to get the blame. Happy hours here, 277 on the drinks at Silver Sevens. That's uh, every day starting at 3 o'clock. That's uh, beers, margaritas, well drinks, shots. Next week is when it really takes off because during all the NFL games, all throughout the season, and that starts next Thursday when it's Cowboys and Buccaneers, 77 cents on selected beers. That's freaking awesome. So mark it down. This is a great spot to watch the games on Thursday, on Sundays, Monday night football as well. Today is a college football day. We'll have more on the UNLV Eastern Washington game, but let's run down the full slate of not only some of the big games tonight, like Ohio State and Minnesota, but also all these big Saturday games and officially week one of college football. We'll talk to the college football expert from Stadium. Michael Felder is on the way. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. All right, college football is back. As uh, During the college football season, every week we get a chance on Thursdays to check in with Michael Felder from Stadium. And, boy, we got some good storylines tonight. Mike, first of all, uh, well, all that rain in the Northeast has uh, pushed the Rutgers-Temple game off to a Saturday start. But we got a game coming up involving a Mountain West team in just a couple of minutes. Does Boise have no shot to take out Central Florida here as uh, UCF is now a six, six-and-a-half-point favorite? Uh, no, I think they've got a shot. Obviously, going on the road is going to be a little bit rough. They're going to have to battle not just, you know, the travel, but also, obviously, the humidity <laughs> that comes with playing in Orlando at that time. But it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out because at the end of the day, the reality of it is is these two teams are essentially the two named brands, right? Or, or and, and, and no disrespect to Cincinnati at all, but these are two of the named brands when it comes to a group of five teams. And for all the discussion about Georgia and Clemson and is it an elimination game, the reality of it is is this might be the biggest elimination game in week one because one of these teams is going to be out. And obviously, neither of them are starting out ranked. Everybody's still interested to see what's going to happen with them. So for me, I am quite curious to see, is it Dylan Gabriel, uh, new coach, how they handle things versus Hank Bachmeyer, another new coach, and how they handle things. Well, marquee game tonight is uh, the Big Ten's rolling out regular season games early on here. We saw Nebraska-Illinois last week. Um, Ohio State, first of all, the quarterback situation. Are you confident the quarterback can go on the road here and uh, win at Minnesota? Minnesota's catching 14, although there is a 13 and a half out there, so some go-for money coming in. Uh, yeah, I think that this is, to me, this game is circled because I want to see what C.J. Stroud looks like, right? We've heard all this talk about him. We've heard all this discussion about what he can do and how good we expect him to be. I want to see him be it. So that's going to be really interesting to watch how that shakes itself out. Um, Stroud is a guy that we know can run. We know he can throw. We know he can do all these things. He's got, He's in a very fortuitous position because when you're a young quarterback with no experience, having talented and experienced wide receivers helps out, which is why he has Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I think that can go a long way to his success. So I'm looking forward to watching that and seeing how they how they uh, how they kind of attack the season. 
Cofield and Company football insider Michael Felder is with us as we're live at Silver Sevens on this Thursday. Big college football slate is on the way. Don't forget, get up to the Sterling Spoon Cafe when you can. Eight play members can get a shrimp cocktail for the seven seventy seven. You want a full rack of barbecue ribs and fries or steak dinner, just seventeen seventy seven. Mike, one more on Ohio State. What's your thought on this Quinn Ewers quarterback situation where the kid's not even there yet and he's already got a $1.4 million NIL deal in place? Hey, man, get that money, man. Make that bread, do your thing, which is always great. But I think the big key is going to be delivering on it, right? Like, yeah. it's it's a frenzy right now. And for that ROI, right, that return on the investment, you have to deliver. And so uh, Ewers is not going to deliver anything this season. So to me, I'm looking at De'Eric King. I'm looking at Bryce Young. I'm looking at DJ Uyunglele as do you deliver on that investment that somebody's made? Kayvon Thibodeau is another non-quarterback that's got some big big, um, big NIL deals. It's wild, wild west right now. I think it normalizes, stabilizes after this season, so we'll see what happens. But certainly, I'm happy for him. I just am ready. Like The, the problem is we're not going to see him play for, what, two years, three years maybe? Amazing, right? He has a deal, yeah. and he may not win the job anytime soon. All right, you mentioned some of the big names. Uh, Bryce Young, also a uh, first-time starter, but De'Ara King is back, hopefully healthy. What does Miami yeah. do in this game against Bama? I, listen, I, I've said this a couple times. Scared money don't make money. And when you play Alabama, if you want – so there, there are two different ways that teams approach playing Alabama. There are the let's just try to keep it close teams and – they run the ball and they eat the clock and they try to play good defense. And ultimately they end up getting smothered. And by halfway through the third quarter, they're just incredibly beat up. And then Alabama just opens things up and lets it, lets it go on them. There are other teams who decide, you know what, let's try to win, not keep it close or make it look respectable. Let's try to win. And by trying to win, it means you take the weakest area of this team, the secondary, and not because the players aren't good. The secondary is the weakest area of just about every single football team <laughs> yeah. because of the way that the game is officiated now and because receivers are good. And so it's really hard to be good every single play. And if you're going to make mistakes or if they're going to make mistakes, if a linebacker makes a mistake, somebody picks up seven yards. If a defensive lineman makes a mistake, somebody picks up four yards. But when a safety or a corner makes a mistake, somebody picks up 35 yards or they score a touchdown – so you have to attack that vulnerability, and you have to consistently attack it. And the teams that have played well against Alabama, uh, A&M with, with Manziel, obviously, uh, Ole Miss with, with Chad Kelly, uh, Deshaun Watson and Clemson, they, it's not that they played scared football. They played football to go out there and make save and chase them to 40 points. And that's the only way that Miami is going to make this a game is if they make Alabama chase in the 40. I just don't think they have the personnel to do it. Uh, more ACC teams involved, uh, actually both of them, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Uh, can the Tar Heels go out you know, week one, thump VTech on the road, send a message to the rest of the conference that, hey, we're here neck and neck with Clemson? I don't know if they're going to thump them. I think they, they're going to have to work to get a win because, listen, I get it. We all fall in love with quarterbacks, right? And everybody loves Sam Howell, and everybody's a lot of a lot of folks have him as number two, QB2 from, with a, from an NFL draft standpoint. But – who is he throwing it to? He's got Bo Corrales and then who else? Who's he handing it off to? Because his two guys, two back to two 1,000-yard rushers, they're in the NFL now. So this is all on him and how he manages that's going to be really interesting. Uh, I just mentioned the king of the ACC in Clemson. Interesting spot here. Uh, Georgia has more known entities at the key positions on the field. What do you think of this one? Clemson's laying three against Georgia. You mentioned it, uh, elimination game in some ways. 
It's it's I, I don't think it's an elimination game. If 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 Clemson goes eleven and one with one loss to Georgia and it's a close loss, they're going to go to the playoff. And if Georgia goes eleven and one with one loss to Clemson and they win the SEC championship, they're going to go to the playoff. So it's it's possible. So I, I, for me, I am looking at how Clemson attacks JT Daniels. Um, Britt Venables has been far more effusive with praise with this defensive line than he's been with a lot of defensive lines. Um, with the exception, obviously, of the four guys that got picked in the NFL and what two first round draft picks. So he, but he's been incredibly, remarkably high on these guys. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out. I'm looking forward to watching what Georgia is or what do they want to be because they've got guys that can play. They've got guys that can rush the passer. We, they've got guys that can do all those things. But do they let DJ Uyangalele sit back and try to pick them apart with guys like Justin Ross and, 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 and Joseph Ngata and all those guys? Or, uh, Frank Lad- Ladson as well. Do they or do Georgia get aggressive and try to force the issue? That to me is going to say a lot about who Georgia thinks they are this upcoming season. He's Cofield and Company's voice of college football. We talk to him every Thursday, so he's back on board. We're glad about that. Michael Felder at In the Bleachers on Twitter. We got a bunch of games to hit in the Pacific time zone. Uh, first of all, let's start with San Jose State. Good season a year ago. Great season a year ago. Game under its belt. It's 14 14 and a half USC at home against San Jose. Can San Jose challenge? The Trojans. I think they can. And maybe that's a pipe dream for me because I'm just a big Nick Starkle fan. Like since back in the day when I saw him in Dallas and he was committed to Oklahoma State. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what he's able to do. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. So I'm looking forward to, to, to how they challenge this team. they got a, a running back in Nevins that I really like. They've got Derek Deese at the tight end spot who's been uh, – who is remarkably explosive. I think that this is going to be an interesting one because we're going to get to see – USC with with Drake London and Jake Smith. Jake Smith, the, the Texas transfer, no Brew McCoy. He's he's out, and I don't think he's coming back with respect to that domestic violence charge. And we'll get to see Keaton Slovis duel uh, duel duel off against uh, Nick Starkle. So yeah, I think they got an opportunity. I think Oregon's in, I think Oregon and Fresno State's another one where, hey, let's see what you got because using Ronnie Rivers in the passing game <laughs> was remarkably dynamic for them, and I want to see how Oregon adjusts to that to that sort of wrinkle to this football team. Yep, Ronnie Rivers, a future NFL player. He's dynamic at running back and to set all the records. Pass uh, Ryan Matthews on uh, the list at Fresno. LSU's taking on UCLA again. Another team that's got a game under its belt. UCLA looked great against Hawaii. I'm not sure what that means. LSU on the road having to deal with its pregame, you know, week before, 10 days before, yeah. all jacked up because of the hurricane. Uh, Edo is laying three here. Yeah, that's rough. It's it's really tough. And, and, and obviously what they've had to deal with is a lot more important than sports. Uh, from a fam- familial standpoint with family, like, from New Orleans through Baton Rouge up into Shreveport, that whole deal. And then also having to practice off-site. So that's been another thing. And then, oh, by the way, we're still in a pandemic. So like, there's it's like layer on top of layer on top of layer. Uh, I am curious to see what oh, what LSU's um, front seven looks like. because there, So there's two things that I'm – Steve, there's two things I'm interested in. What LSU's front seven looks like. And then on the other side of it is does Chip Kelly try to outthink the room? Because the answer is pretty obvious. You can go A to B, which is we should run the football almost every single play. You have Britton Brown. You have Zach Charbonnet. You have Dorian Thompson Robinson. It helps your offensive line out that you can keep create a hanger. They have, they have five to block three or five to block four instead of five on five blocking because that quarterback run threat. Run the football as much as you can until they are able to stop it. And we saw him. Stop running the ball a few times against Hawaii, then realize, oh, I should just keep running the ball against Hawaii. I don't want him to outthink the room. Go A to B. You don't have to go A to C. 
Go A to B, run the football, and let's see what happens against LSU. The Cofield and Company live on a Thursday at Silver Sevens. Talking to college football insider Michael Felder. I'll give you an under-the-radar game for much of the country, but it's a fascinating watch. Uh, Nevada has power five offensive talent. I'm telling you, they're massive at receiver, big tight end. Their quarterback is excellent, Carson Strong. They're at Cal. They're getting three, but here's the problem. Uh, Nevada has had a completely disjointed preseason because of the fires. They've barely practiced outside. They've had to go to California to practice. So, I mean, I think their talent can certainly match up with a Pac-12 team. I'm just not sure they've had the flow in the preseason. And the flow is really rough because that's super important, right? Like, and I think that they are in an advantageous position because Cal's not remarkably explosive, right? Like Cal's not USC. Cal's not even UCLA with UCLA with the way they ran against Hawaii. So Cal's not particularly explosive. And I know Chase Garbage is going to be the guy there for them again. He's really good at a dink and dunk. So that means if you tackle well, you're going to force him into more punts, more punting situations, which means you get the ball back to those offensive players that you reckon, that you uh, that you discussed earlier, the ability to push the ball down the field. So I think they're in a good spot to try to pull off the upset, speaking to Nevada. Uh, Carson Strong, obviously, a lot of folks have him in the first round right now. Um, he's being tossed up there with the likes of Spencer Rattler, uh, Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell as one, who's the best quarterback in college football. So – I guess we're going to get a chance to see it in action. We'll, uh, I'm very curious to see how it goes. Breaking down the college football slate this weekend, Michael Felder from Stadium at In the Bleachers on Twitter is with us as we're live at Silver Sevens. Don't forget, A-play members when you're playing, 11 times points on Wednesdays all day long and seven times points on Saturdays from 7A to 7P. Last one, uh, Big Ten game. Is Penn State, they're going to get rolled in, in this game against Wisconsin? They're actually getting five and a half. I don't think they're going to get rolled. It's a ma- it's a question of what Sean Clifford we get to see. And, 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 more than just Sean Clifford, who are their playmakers? Like, think about this with Franklin at Penn State. When they have a guy like Saquon Barkley or they have a KJ Hamler, they look unstoppable. But when they have to actually manufacture points and yards, that's when they really get bogged down in the small details and their offensive line's flaws start to show. When they don't have a guy that can create for himself, even Trace McSorley to, to, some, to a certain extent, they have some trouble. And so I think Wisconsin's the worst team to play if you don't have a dynamic remarkably dynamic playmaker because Wisconsin is a steady Eddie and they do all the little things right so I am very curious to see what this looks like um for Penn State because I want to see what they look like going into the year they come in in the top 20 Wisconsin's a team that thinks they've got an outside shot to get to the playoff if they can somehow navigate the riddle that is Ohio State so this is going to be a good one again I go back to Georgia and Clemson the reality of it is I think there are a lot of games that mean a lot more than Georgia Clemson this weekend. We hit on UNC, Virginia Tech. Obviously, Iowa taking on Indiana is a huge one. We mentioned this Penn State-Wisconsin game because these teams are – it's not about the playoff. And Georgia and Clemson, either one of them can get to the playoff without losing. They might play each other in the playoff after they play each other in week one or in the national championship game, depending on how that shakes out. But – those conference games are humongous because you don't want to start from the bottom and have to claw your way up. Follow Michael Felder at Angel in the Bleachers on Twitter. Uh, I saw you had a great summer of making pizza. We had a little debate yesterday if keto pizza works, like coring out zucchini and making it into a pizza, using portobello mushroom and making it into a pizza. Does that work? Yeah, I mean, I say go for it. That's not a thing I'm going to do, but <laughs> I say go for it, man. Whatever works. I've been trying to um, – I actually have a coworker that I really like a lot, and she's gluten-free. I've actually been 
trying to figure out how I can work one of these cauliflower crusts into the mix so that I can give her a pizza. So yeah, no, I, listen, do what you got to do whatever works for you, your diet, your lifestyle. There you go. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. You guys take it easy. That dude is awesome. Michael Felder from Stadium. Follow him on Twitter at In the Bleachers. Another awesome guy on the way, Xavier Pope, is up next. And we are going to talk about my displeasure in both Philly and New York with the way the fans are treating their players. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. In all honesty, I'm a football guy. I, I leave the medical stuff to the medical people. And I think we did a pretty good job within our team in the offseason emphasizing knowledge, bringing our doctors in, letting the players make their own decisions. And we were pretty comfortable with where we ended up in the vaccination side. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. Kind of refreshing to hear, right, Adam Candy? Mike Mayock? I'm a football guy. Leave it up to the doctors. Oh, is that right? Is that right? Very nice. Very nice. I uh, saw an interesting note about UNLV. You know, UNLV's opening tonight over at Allegiant. And by the way, we're down here at Silver Sevens. I've got several four-packs left. If you want to go to Allegiant and you haven't gotten a ticket yet or tickets yet for a Raiders game, they're a little pricey. We've got a free four-pack down here, Silver Sevens, Flamingo, and Paradise. So come on in, and we'll give away some of the tickets. I uh, also have... With that, I can give you uh, free entries into the William Hill Pro Pick'em Contest. $25 entry, free, free, free. Uh, I was just mentioning the note that I saw from Mike Romala, who covers the Rebels. Uh, Rebels, I think, as a team, are 92% vaxxed, and the coaching staff is 100% vaccinated. So hopefully for both organizations, because they had a rough time last year, Candy, with COVID and contacts and guys being out for weeks and weeks and weeks and out at the last minute. Hopefully both can get through the season pretty much unscathed. Hopefully. I mean, listen, we've talked about it before, the fact that the Raiders in particular were a franchise that caught all sorts of crap here, notably for the way they handled everything last year. And when the tone is set from the absolute top by Mark Davis, when he says you're not even coming into this building as a fan if you're not vaccinated – then that really takes the message and makes it clear to everyone in the organization that this is going to be serious. Now, can't really control COVID. You can get vaccinated, but the vaccinated can still get COVID, and then all of a sudden there are delays. I don't know if it will lead to cancellations. We'll see. Certainly can't control the weather. The weather's been a mess. And we saw what happened with New Orleans. You've got power out all over the New Orleans area. The Saints can't play there. We'll get to where the Saints move to in a second. Just want to throw this one out there. Um Looks like there's lightning issues. It just never ends. There's lightning issues in Orlando for that Central Florida-Boise game. So that one was slated to go at 4 our time. It's now been pushed back. Well, it says here, according to Pete Thamel, college football dude, earliest they're going to kick will be 7.30. Now, Saints have moved across the 10 to Jacksonville. So that home game against the Packers has been relocated on September 12th. Do you have an update on what's going on with the betting? Because I guess there are some books who are like, hey, the game is so far away from the original venue, we got to reset it. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, BetMGM put out a note on its social media saying that because of the venue change, that they're voiding any wagers and that new lines will be put up. And I find it especially interesting after the COVID year that we just dealt with in which home field advantage, air quotes, Uh, certainly turned out to be nil at best. Road offense has performed as well as they have in a number of years. But 
How much of a home game is this still for the Saints at this point? Uh, uh, same region, yeah. but uh, certainly not the fans they would have had in the building. Well, one, how many of the fans are in a position right now to be making the ride over to Jacksonville, right? Uh, next to Right, they got a lot yeah. of important stuff going on right now. Uh, so we know that. I mean, I don't know. What would you say? Normal normal year, would you actually give the Saints home field advantage three and a half instead of three? No. I mean, and I, I honestly think I might even reconsider it to something closer to two. I mean, unless Ooh. we're talking about someplace like New Orleans that happens to have one of the louder fan bases uh, in, in general, not even sure I would go to the full three. Oh, boy. Eight-hour drive across on the ten. From New Orleans to Jacksonville, 550 miles. And it was interesting to note that uh, I guess where it is, the Saints, when they were looking at different venues to relocate this home game, one of the things they considered is that Jacksonville is really hard to get to in general, and especially from uh, Wisconsin. So they were trying to find a place where Packers fans wouldn't freaking jump on planes and then take over the stadium. Hard enough to imagine just vacation planning wise having to go from like let's oh. go we're going to new orleans to You're open right. the season You're right. like oh no oh oh, oh. so we're going Poor to jack jackson really <laughs> so we're going to jacksonville i mean if jacksonville had a travel slogan i think it would be we're not new orleans so i was mentioning uh the raiders and how hard it is to get tickets actually some tickets opened up did you find this pretty interesting that i guess people did take mark davis up on his offer Maybe they're angry about the fully vac status that the Raiders are requiring, and I guess close to 2,000 tickets have been freed up. Freed up in, in uh, a meaning of the word as they were actually re-offered to current season ticket holders. Oh, so okay. remember, Mark Davis put the word out there that everyone has to be vaccinated to come into the stadium. You can get vaccinated at the stadium on game days and be able to come in. And that offer was taken up by about 1,800 people, about 500 of whom just gave their season ticket back, season tickets back entirely. Said, we're done. We don't want these. You can have them. To which I say, cool, you also don't get your PSL back. So I'm not sure, you know, who exactly you're, you're winning here for. But then another 1,300 or so tickets were rolled over to next year. So people basically said, yep, we'll, we'll keep our ability to buy season tickets. But for this year, we're going to roll over our money uh, into 2022. So not like everybody off the street, anyone listening right now, could just walk up to Allegiant and buy tickets to the game. But, you know, if you feel that strongly about it, more power to you because there is someone who is either vaccinated or willing to get vaccinated waiting to buy those up. Silver Sevens is the site for the show today. Flamingo in Paradise, we're here every Thursday. Happy hours going down right now, 277 on the drinks, and we've got UNLV football four packs for tonight's game. So if, uh, you know, you got you got the urge to get into the stadium and watch a good game, it should be a high-scoring game between Eastern Washington and uh, the new-look Rebels, especially on defense. I said it's a high-scoring game, but we'll see if the defense can hold down one of the better FCS quarterbacks in the country in Eastern Washington's Eric Barrier. So come on down. we got some four packs here. Up next, you know, I want to talk fans. We're going to get into it uh, both with the New York Mets fans and the Sixers fans because uh, – Man, this badge of honor that Philly and New York has about being really tough fans, it's annoying the crap out of me, and I want Xavier Post's take on it. Cofield and company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and company. All right, we're back, baby. Xavier Pope. Is in with us here on a Thursday. I was out last week, didn't get to talk to Xavier. It's been quite a week, a lot of stuff to talk about. 
We uh, like to talk legal stuff. We'll get to that with a lot more of the uh, VAC stuff at different stadiums and, and deals with leagues and Cam Newton and all that. I, you know, I want to get your take on, and I have no idea where you stand on this, on fans versus players because we got a couple of different cases here. I respect fans and they're, you know, they pay for tickets. If you want to go and boo, you can boo. I think it's stupid, and I think it also gets out of control. And I don't like what's happening right now in Philly with Ben Simmons where essentially because of fan backlash – I think Ben Simmons feels like he's done there. A lot of Philly people are like, he's done here. I, I don't I don't get this. I don't get this turn on Ben Simmons, this negativity from the Philly fans. I get it. He was in the paint, could have dunked or layup, decided not to do so. Five points, game seven. Ben Simmons deserved to be booed out of town. Wow. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, he, he was supposed to be the next best thing since Grant Hill. Um, and he hasn't done that, and he deserves all the criticism that he is, is facing. Now, in terms of the fans in the stadium demanding that he fight them, come up to the, that's ridiculous, and I don't believe that when you come to any behavior that is disparaging towards someone's background or violence, that's where you cross the line. But booing is a part of sports. Uh, being Showing your displeasure with an athlete is is part of sports it's a high pressure situation you paid a ton of money do your job or get booed out of town i'm perfectly comfortable with that it's just a certain lines that fans shouldn't cross i guess uh, i want fans to be thinking fans and thinking about the best thing for the organization because now what you set up here is ben simmons will be traded you're gonna get 50 cents on the dollar so you actually just screwed your own organization by forcing him out of town and, and now he's made the decision now he's come out publicly i want to be traded it, it, fans shouldn't determine a player's market value. That player's actually living up to his potential and playing out his contract to the best of his ability to determine the value of the player's contract. And so Ben Simmons showed on a national stage that he isn't what he was built to be coming out in, into the National Basketball Association. I mean, people wouldn't believe that he's been he's been an all star he doesn't look like an all-star. He doesn't look like an all-world player. That that squarely lands on the lap of Ben Simmons. Now, did fans screw their team out of because they hurt this guy's feelings? I mean, that goes to show you, like, I, I have no sympathy for Ben Simmons at all. I mean, he has to be able to show it on the basketball court, <laughs> and he's able to deliver. And I have zero. Philly fans are extremely passionate I, was, I used to live outside of Philly when I went to Rutgers for law school in Camden. They booed a nine-year-old kid for dropping a foul ball at a Phillies game. So those fans are tough. And you have to be able to survive that, knowing that you're going there. And Ben Simmons wasn't able to survive it. Some players are able to, 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 to live through it and actually have fans love him. Remember what happened with Allen Iverson. He got booed by fans. He had a, It was a really you know, contentious relationship with fans, but fans wound up loving him. And now he's beloved in the city. So that's something that Ben Simmons was not able to do. Right up the uh, New Jersey Turnpike, you got the Mets situation, which I'm, I guess I'm also in the minority on this one. I hate the way the Mets handled this, and I don't mean the players. So you had Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor getting booed left and right. They finally start doing well. They're winning games. They start doing thumbs down to the crowd. You want to boo us? Boo you, right? Then <laughs> Steve Cohen, who's new to baseball, billionaire, comes out and says, hey, that ain't right. These guys got to apologize. They apologize. I... Listen, th- th- my take on sports now is these are player leagues. You need mm-hmm. players, and players can do what they want in terms of picking where they choose to play. I would never, 
ever sign with the Mets as a free agent. So Steve Cohen, <laughs> Steve Cohen picked his side. I guess as a billionaire, he can buy his way out of this issue. I wouldn't sign to play in New York for the Mets. Javi Baez did what Ben Simmons didn't do, though. He went ahead, scored from first on a base hit, although the ball was dropped. Fans go nuts, and fans turn their thumbs down to a thumbs up. So I, you have to be able to be able to produce on the field. If you're not able to produce on the field, then you deserve whatever you get from management or fans. Dang. I'm totally comfortable with this. Now, in terms of Javi Baez coming out and apologizing, he had to look at his role on the team and determine whether he wanted to do that or not. He could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. Trade me. The, he decided to apologize. So you as a player, you're being specialized talent, have to recognize your value and say, either I look at this as contributing to a team or a team culture, or I want to be able to stand up to management. And he didn't do that, but he didn't turn around and perform on the field. All right. We differ on this one. I'm going to play. <laughs> actually, Ari's going to play. One of the greatest clips ever. I, I love this is what you do when you're on a team. You stand up for the players. This is Chicago Cubs manager. It's one of the best rants ever. Uh, Lee Elia, 80s. The Cubs suck. The fans are coming out there booing them left and right. Ari, fire this. He goes nuts. I'll tell you one f***ing thing. I hope we get f***ing hotter than just to stuff it up them 3,000 people that show up every f***ing day. Because if they're the real Chicago f***ing fans they can kiss my ass right downtown and print it love it print it all right well that sounds like that's out of line according to your standards not out of line at all i feel as if if you are a manager or a coach and you stick up for your players that's part of sticking up for your team and if that we saw that with bobby valentine and the Mets. we're speaking about the Mets. we saw that um across multiple organizations where you have coaches and owners and management kind of clashing in terms of how they, how it relates to the players. And so if you are a coach or a manager and you're going to stick up for your guys, that's perfectly fine. But at the end of the day, though, Steve, the results speak for themselves. If you don't produce, then you deserve all, all the vitriol you, you get as long as the fans don't cross the line. That's simple. Xavier Pope, a true fan, mm-hmm. uh, legal analyst. <laughs> <laughs> You can find him on Twitter. Shut up or shut up. Xavier Pope. All right, well, uh, I don't think that was the case in New England. I don't think it was truly put up or shut up. I think the VAC status had something to do with Cam Newton losing his gig. So I want your take on this, and uh, we'll follow up with where Cam could land next and might be nowhere. Maybe maybe the VAC thing is the overwhelming factor as to why Cam Newton may not be in the NFL. Cam Newton made a mistake being a 32-year-old quarterback in the National Football League. There are only certain amount of slots for you to be a quarterback in the National Football League. And your position is the most is the most important position on the team. You have to be vaccinated because you're a touch point with the team, the other players, and also off the field. If they, the team leaves, loses you, you could potentially put playoff in jeopardy for that particular team. Now, the Patriots and Bill Belichick didn't explicitly state that his non-vaccinated status contributed to it, but he missed time because of COVID protocols. He had issues last year uh, staying on the field. And so Chad Newton brought this on himself. We know that Scott Zolak was a complete idiot talking about Cam Newton not concentrating and, and listening to rap music. That part, and we saw some of the issues with Boston, that is there in the back. But in the foreground is you have to recognize your value to the team and do what's best for the team. All right. Who's going to want him next? 
I mean, if that's if that's a factor, um, if he doesn't get vaccinated, uh, you know, I've seen some teams listed like the Vikings. Are the Vikings going to do it when they already have Kirk Cousins, who's got mm-hmm. the same status? Do the Texans want to do it? Do they really want to win? Uh, could he be a backup to Lamar Jackson? Is he going to land anywhere as a backup? It's tough to see if where Cam lands as a backup because the NFL has already been pressuring the NFLPA for a vaccine mandate for players. And it's changed its stance from last year to moving games. You have games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and the NFL says, we're going to play on Sunday. And if you lead to some sort of outbreak, you're going to forfeit a game. That shows that NFL teams are not playing around with the vaccine status, particularly at the quarterback position. And if you're sitting there with a clipboard, if you're at a backup, if you're right there under center, then you're putting your team in jeopardy. I don't see a team making the investment in a player like Cam Newton. So if Cam Newton doesn't get vaccinated, I don't see him landing anywhere in the National Football League, anywhere. First, second, or third string. It's Cofield and Company here on a Thursday. Make sure you follow Xavier Pope. He's got Suit Up News up on Twitter. Check that out. Uh, let's talk a little uh, Chicago sports here. We see Mac Jones across the way in uh, Patriot land. He's starting as a rookie. Are people fired up that Justin Fields may not be the starter for game one? What do you think? Immediately, Justin Fields trended on Twitter as soon as Mac Jones took that job from, from Cam Newton because Chicago fans have seen what Justin Fields can do. He's been spectacular in some of his performances. And no one's excited about Andy Dalton. They pick. Steve, what is, what's the most basic ice cream flavor you can think of? All right. Vanilla with the red rocket. It's not, it's not, not some kind of red ice cream. I get it. Vanilla. Andy Dalton is vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't even – Andy Dalton is vanilla, but you don't get to add sprinkles or nuts or syrup or anything to it. It's a straight vanilla ice cream. You're going to eat it. It may be okay. It may not be okay. It's not even the vanilla bean stuff. You see specs in it to see that it's authentic. It's just basic ice cream. Andy Dalton is that. He doesn't get fans excited like Justin Fields Fields does. And everyone can see the writing is on the wall. Justin Fields needs to be QB1, not Andy Dalton. That's what fans feel. A big story that came out earlier today when it comes to uh, VAC status and attending events uh, report that uh, United Center will require all event attendees, including fans at Bulls and Blackhawks games, to present proof of full vaccination oh, or a negative COVID-19 test to gain access to the arena. Uh, what do you think of this from a legal standpoint? And does that also include the athletes? Because we saw a report from uh, Sham Sharania, uh, NBA expert, that was saying that uh, local mandates may actually determine whether NBA players can get into their own arenas. Well, first, as long as they bring a vaccination card that doesn't spell Moderna with an M.A., uh, like a woman here in Oban that got caught in Hawaii trying to pass off a fake vaccination card. Uh Um, (laughs) Number one. And number two, I got my vaccination at the United Center. So hopefully the United, if they're not currently providing vaccination at the United Center, but if you're going to be publicly facing and saying you we want you to be vaccinated, contribute to the public being vaccinated. Have any place that you're requiring people to get vaccinated, vaccinated, have vaccinations right there on site. We saw a report that 50 million vaccinations have been thrown out and wasted. And so I think that's important. And from a legal standpoint, in order to avoid liability and to be able to have a premise liability to protect themselves, the United States can say we want to be able to protect the people that are here. You have to be vaccinated to attend. That's simple. What do you have right now on Suit Up News? Suit up news, we're going to be talking about this exact topic 
<laughs> because this follows up what we talked about a couple of weeks ago and how it relates to various issues that have been passed in Texas and what how sports responds to it and whether sports even has the energy response to it, particularly as we go on a new season that are starting NFL and NBA as well. All right. Well, Xavier coming to an arena near you as he'll be booing the, uh, the athletes, which is very sad. Very sad. My friend. Thank you. Thanks for, thank, thank, Especially thank, they serve carrot cake. They, yeah, you're very anti-carrot cake. Doesn't matter who the athlete is. Thanks Xavier. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you later, buddy. Xavier Pope on Cofield and Company. Up next here at Silver 7s, we preview the number six team in the Cofield and Company NFL rankings countdown, the Cleveland Browns. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.